Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast. Denise and Joe have been working together over the last few years doing relationship work and coaching, midlife coaching for guys and relationships um, for couples and families that, um, and Denise has written this amazing book called The Real Passion Revolution, um, which is, it was a bestseller. It's pretty amazing new way to look at love and relationships. And so this is why we're excited to have them sharing with us today. So please welcome Denise and Joe. So let's talk about love. In my early days of counseling, um, I was a pastor in a church and I did the counseling there and I would ask everyone who came to me to define love. What is love? And at first, it was shocking to me that people didn't know how to define it. They, they couldn't put words to it. They didn't, they didn't have a description. And, and then I came to expect it because not one person just had like, oh, this is what love is. It took a lot of pause and thinking and still confusion. And so if we don't know what love is, how love behaves, what it says, what it does, what it doesn't do and doesn't say, then how do we know when we're actually in a state of love or in a state of fear? So the way that we know is we check into the results. So a lot of people can say, well, I really love is thrown around so flippantly, especially in, in our culture. I don't know if in other cultures it is, but certainly is here. You know, we, we love our partners, and we love our children, and we love our family, and we love our friends, and we love pizza, and we love our car, and uh, we love our new rug, and oh my gosh, that new painting on the wall. And we just, you know, we throw that word around, um, but not really... Mean, knowing what that means. So Joe and I are going to help unpack that a little bit so we can all be very clear about what is love and what it isn't. It's so interesting. Uh, this morning, the gratitude that has been present here in, in the way everyone gets to raise their hand and celebrate something. Uh, the excitement and enthusiasm of the woman in the back with the new car <laughs> was uh, exciting to watch. And it is, it is. Love is exciting and it is sweet. And even as, even as in this moment with your new car, it feels like love. <laughs> what happens right five years down the road when that car breaks down or 10 years or 20 years maybe what happens what do we do we lose love does it change you know often we see this in relationships you know I'd like everybody to um, let's uh, I was going to begin with a, with a poem, but, well, I'm going to begin with a poem. 
One of the things that Denise and I have been practicing frequently now is being led by spirit. Anybody else live their days like really present with the spirit of God in you, speaking softly, directing, directing the steps? So this is, this is being led by spirit. This is a poem by an Indian mystic named Kabir. And the poem is called, How Humble is God? God is the tree in the forest that allows itself to die and will not defend itself in front of those with the axe, not wanting to cause them shame. And God is the earth that will allow itself to be deformed by man's tools. But he cries, yes, God cries, but only in front of his closest ones. And a beautiful animal is being beaten to death, but nothing can make God break his silence to the masses and say, stop, please stop. You are doing this to me. How humble is God? Kabir wept when I knew. That poem uh, was read to me a couple of weeks ago and caused me to weep, to really connect with doing no harm First to ourselves, first to ourselves, sweet brothers and sisters. How often do we harm ourselves? And then to others who we claim to love. So love is a behavior. It's an action. It's not actually an emotion. The emotion that we feel when we are loving others or being loved is happy. So if you think about it, when I love you comes out of your mouth, it's because you're having an experience of feeling happy, satisfied, fulfilled. But love isn't an emotion. It can't be. Because our emotions <laughs> go like this. And unfortunately, for most, so do our behaviors. When our emotions are up, our behaviors are good. When our emotions are down, our behaviors not so good. And yet we, we call all of it love when we say to our partner or to our friends or children, um, our parents, our co-workers, I love you. And yet we harm one another constantly. So First, I want to tell a little story about um, yesterday morning. One of our dear friends called Joe, and he said, Brother, I really need your help. I need your support. I, I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't take it anymore. I can't take one more person telling me that I'm not enough and that I don't do it right and correcting me from his mother to his wife to, and it's 
seems to be mostly women in his life that are correcting him and telling him what he's doing wrong and how to do it right. And it's crushing this man. And it isn't love because correction comes from, is an attempt to control. And control comes from a state of fear, not from a state of love. And so this man is literally being torn apart and has been, he's in his 40s now, and he has been, he's been hearing this over and over again. And because he has a wound, so one of the things that we teach is that we are governed by our subconscious beliefs. Not by what we consciously think we believe, but what we subconsciously believe. These beliefs that we have about ourselves and about the world literally govern our choices and are the results that we have in our life. So if there's something in your life that's going on that you don't like, you don't like the results, it's, I promise you, it points at a subconscious belief that you have. So we have to unpack these things in order to clear the space so we can just be a channel of love, right? Because after all, love is God. And when we are loving, we are being our true essence, which is God. We are reflecting that. And when we are not, we're in a state of fear, and we're separate from that love. We're, we're literally separate from our essence. We're op operating out of our ego. Does that make sense? I'd like to do uh, just a little um, experiment so we can kind of get a flavor for, um, for the condition that um, most of us live in and that we're experiencing, especially in America. Again, I don't know much about other cultures, but here for sure. So I'm going to ask you um, to please stand if you or a close family member has had a failed relationship. Jeez, I thought I was going to have to ask a couple more standing questions, but look around. All right, please be seated. So this is a representation of at least America. Uh, when I wrote the book, um, I had put in my own statistic um, of failed relationships because really all we have to go on are divorce statistics. But failed relationships, as we know, people don't always get married anymore and whatever, those relationships fail, they're not recorded. And I also consider a failed relationship two people who stay together because they're either um, afraid of judgment for leaving, uh, or you know, they made that vow, and they're come hell or high water, man, they're going to stick it out. So those two are failed relationships. So I put the statistic around 85 percent, but as you can see in this room, it's very high. Failed relationships are very high, and I wanted to know why, and so I started unpacking what we were doing and reading and learning and research. And my book is really a culmination of 35 years of, of work, of learning and studying. So, love wins, right? 
Who believes that? Who, who believes that love wins? Like, <clears throat> like really wins. Like, love wins. Okay. Uh, by a show of hands, who believes that love doesn't win? Then, Heather. Yes. Thank you. I would assert, Heather, I would assert that uh, perhaps there's a misconception then about what love is. And that's, I think, and thank you for raising your hand, because I, I imagine that if we looked at the lives of everyone, and if we looked closely, if Denise and I came and lived with you for a week. Any takers? I imagine if Denise and I came in and observed you as neutral observers and watched how you interact with your partners, with your husbands or wives, with your children, with your coworkers, we might be able to, from an outside space, be able to see where maybe you've got some blind spots about what you think love is. We get disappointed. We get disappointed because I think often we believe, yes, love wins, God wins, God is love. But very practically in our day-to-day -day experience, how many people get frustrated or angry or depressed or disappointed or drop into despair you guys, this is a very real reality. So on the one hand, if we say love wins and God is love and God is within us and we are all one, we are here at a unity church, we are all one, and yet if we're suffering through our days in our relationships, something is not right. Something is not in alignment. And I don't say not right in that there's a judgment about it, that there should be any shame. Because as we've already addressed, we, I think, as a culture, have already had so much weight of shame on us that we don't need any more of that. Right? We don't need religion telling us that we're bad or broken we experience our separateness from source when we believe that we're bad or broken. So we're here to clear up some misconceptions about what love is. And if, if you all have some time this afternoon, we're going to be spending three hours really diving deeper into this concept of love and how, how when you have a clear idea of what it is, it will revolutionary revolutionarily change every relationship that you're experiencing. So this current model of love, we could, let's put it this way, we could probably say instead of uh, I love you to many of the people in our lives, we could say I trade you. I trade you. Uh, let me give you an example. One of my one of my early relationships uh, that I was really then consciously aware of making a choice in, uh, I was trading my sense of enthusiasm and fun for security and responsibility. So I engaged in a, in a partnership with a woman for a long time. But instead of 
What we often say is, oh, I love you, and then turn around and try to control or manipulate or say bad things or have harmful thoughts towards the, the, the person that we love. We could say probably better and more clearly, I trade you, right? Does that make sense? This is a really, it's a powerful key. If you can sit with this, if you can be still with this and ask yourself, what am I getting from the relationship with the people that I love. Now, it's not your fault that you're taking something because this is what we're taught in the West, right? It's all about rugged individualism and myself and what can I get from this partnership or this relationship? What can I get from the person who I'm claiming to love? Would, would everyone, would you, could, would you agree with that that's the common perception in relationships? That it, it, I mean, if, you're, if we're honest with one another, uh, it's, let me ask you this question. Who among us is, is selflessly loving everyone they encounter? Oh, perfect. Room for improvement. We love awesome. that. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't need us. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you again for your honesty. This, uh, this concept of, of trading one another and sitting with, what do I get out of my relationship with my, with my child? Now, we're going to bring this back to uh, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, will you stand up for one moment, sweetheart? Mackenzie's my 22-year-old sweet daughter who, uh, who just recently had open heart surgery and now has a cow valve uh, in, in her heart, and so she's noticing cows more frequently now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. You know, when, when, uh, when Mackenzie was little, I, I adopted Mackenzie when, when she was two, and Mackenzie had, had came to my experience with, a, with some baggage, with some heavy stuff that a, that a two-year-old shouldn't have to have. And my immediate thought was, she just needs love. She just needs to be loved. And, and I think often with our relationships, especially with our children, uh, we think, oh, they just need to be loved. But then, in reality, how does that manifest? Often, I can tell you, as a 50-year-old man, my mother still tells me, Joe, be careful. <laughs> okay? Uh, Mom, I'm 50. <laughs> but we get into this place where we think we know best and better, and we're going to impose that on our children. I try to impose my better and best on Mackenzie, and she did not like it. <laughs> Y'all know if you have teenagers, no, I want to do my own thing. I want to come into my own place. So the challenge for us is to stop the madness of trying to control and think we know what is best for the people in our lives that we claim to love. Okay. <laughs> Clear? Okay. okay. Let them make their mistakes. It's not a reflection of you. I had to get over that too. Right? Oh, I got to look good. I got to look like the good parent here. Uh, and we're doing, we're doing, I did an enormous amount of harm in trying to look good. It's crazy. So just to give you a little distinction to kind of, well, how do I know if I'm loving or if I'm in a state of love or I'm in a state of fear, the state of love produces peace, 
happiness, fulfillment. In, uh, we enjoy one another. There is unity, intimacy. There's a safety in the relationship to open up and talk about anything and everything. There's permission to be messy, so that, can, that keeps the relationship safe. You don't have to show up and be shiny and perfect all the time. There's grace. There's a lot of grace in the relationship. But the fruit of fear is conflict, suffering, and separation. So evaluate the relationships in your life and put them in one of those two categories. And it doesn't mean that you never are loving or you're always fearful and, uh, and trying to control the situation. But just look at how close are you? How much separation is there? How much conflict do you have? Or how much peace, how much safety is in the relationship? That's one way to govern and, and take a look at the results, because we're all about, let's look at the result. Let's forget about what you think you think you know. Let's look at the results of your life and see what's being manifest. And then we can move from there into making the corrections that are, that are necessary. Can I tell you a story? OK. <laughs> I was going to anyway. <laughs> Let me pause Joe for a minute, because we didn't get a time. What time do we need to be done? Now? Five minutes. OK, well, we will continue this conversation uh, for the next three hours, that if anybody wants to come. And it's going to be an interaction. So it's going to be question and answer. Um, you can present your particular situation. Uh, we'll give you a lot more tools. We could literally do a seven-day retreat eight hours a day with the tools that we have and what we know. So. I, I, do want to, I do want one more minute, one more minute if we can. And I want to just explain something that uh, I think might, might rock your world. It, it, it has certainly rocked my world. So I met, I met Denise as I was going through a divorce. I was separated from my ex-wife. And we met because she was coaching my friend. And as we, a, couple, a month or so later, as we got together and, and uh, shared some food and drinks and got to know one another, uh, she told me, well, early, early in our relationship, she said, Joe, I want you to show up authentically like you show up. If you burp and fart, burp and fart in front of me, I want to know what I'm getting into relationship with, okay? And then she said, I also want you to know that you're never going to be in trouble and that anything that comes up for me, anything that comes up for me uh, is for me to work on and not for you, not for me to shame you. And of course, I'd never heard anything like that. To be given permission to show up in completely authentically. Like, men, are you, do you have full permission to show up authentically in your relationships? I don't know. I, I kind of think that most of the guys that I know don't have that permission. And this was so seductive to me. <laughs> I had to say, well, I'd like to go along with this and see how long it lasts. 
And with that, here we are, and we're sharing how that, how that type of relationship of, of absolute non-control and, and non-resistance shows up and can work out for you every day. That's what more about what we're going to be talking about this afternoon. Uh, if you're interested, we'd love to see you. And if not, then thank you so much for your kind attention today. I have one more thing to say. So for those of you RVers, Joe and I have lived in an RV full-time for four and a half years, traveling around America and we have never had an argument and it is not because we're not holding back or we're not having conversations or either one of us is perfect it's because of the tools that I brought into this relationship that are in my book that I knew when I when I said to him you will never be my problem Joe you will only be my opportunity to address that which requires attention in me you, he was my gift. Always the people in our life are our gift. So that is, that's the distinction between getting in a relationship and being there to serve and to give in a relationship and understand the divine purpose of a relationship is to grow. So I knew I was able to keep my word and that I would never say an unkind word to him. And I made him that promise, and I was able to, I, I am able to keep it because of the tools that we teach. Okay? So we're here to say love wins. Love wins. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you.